Hello, and welcome to Roll for Friendship. I am your guide, Jim McIntyre, and with me is... Uh, me, Jesse, and me, Johnny. Yep, uh, Jesse and Johnny. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, we're, not, so weird. we're not suddenly calling John Johnny all of a sudden. Yeah, we've rebranded him. Yeah, it's a, it's my season two persona that I'm bringing. Yeah, so do you guys want to say who you are and maybe tell us a little bit about your characters uh, and then we'll, yeah, we'll get playing. Uh, yeah, sure, I'll start. I'm Jesse. I play Frank. He is practically royalty at this point. I guess you're up to date. Everyone's up to date now. Um, he's, yeah, one of the, the, I guess, the crown prince of Felice. Yep. Currently, and is being shipped off to marry the princess of another continent. Yep. And that's currently where he's at. I was listening back to old episodes, and there's a bit where John is like, are we princes, or is that just like my head cannon? And it <laughs> cracks me up, because I was like, well, now, yes. I thought maybe, like, that was your aspect of how you made the Fate Spinner thing work, that, like, you would take things that we say offhandedly and just, like, make them a thing, because there was another part where I said something about someone dying or something, and then you killed that character. <laughs> We're fourth wall fate spinners. Yeah, yeah, you, the players, are fate spinners. <laughs> yeah, I thought maybe like we we did any offhanded comment, you just used it. I mean, I do try and do that, but no, that wasn't intentional in that regard. All right, John, who do you play? Hello, I play Hatchet, and Hatchet is a ranger and a couple other things this season, which Ooh. you'll learn about soon. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, we will find out more about that uh, in a little bit. A year has passed since the brothers parted ways. Hatchet's journey took him to sea as he searched for Moundtown alongside his half-brother, Benner. They were stranded on an island and picked up by a group of what some would consider pirates, who have forced them to serve as part of the crew. The bounty on Hatchet's head remains and makes things difficult for Hatchet while living amongst these uh, criminals. Meanwhile, Frank found himself thrust into politics and living a life of luxury as a prince. Frank and Hatchet's parents, Gwendolyn and John, potentially not really knowing how to reconnect with their son and also dealing with the reality of ruling over a bankrupt kingdom, have used him as one of the only bartering chips they have and struck a deal with the kingdom across the sea, where Frank, alongside a couple of familiar faces, soon sail to marry a princess. So, Frank... Uh, is on the dock about to leave on the royal ship. You are, yeah, standing on the dock, packed, ready to go. All your chests and belongings are on the ship. And as you stand by the dock, uh, you see a carriage approaching. Sure. I mean, I don't want to be presumptuous, but I'm assuming there are a few common folk standing by the shores and like... Watching and waving. Yep, there are. Uh, yeah, the, there's a crowd that's gathered. They're kind of being kept back by the royal guard. <laughs> okay. Yep. Um. So the dock is mostly like that. You're standing on is mostly deserted. Like, uh, it is. I guess a pier is that the term? Uh. Yep. It's yep. great that we're getting straight into nautical stuff where I know nothing. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's not like, you know, you knew that I would be getting on a boat and that John's character was on a boat already. Look, the idea vaguely floated through my brain of like, should I do floated. some research? Nice. Uh, yeah, see, floated would have been. <laughs> <a> term, but... <laughs> Keep that one for later. Yeah. 
Um, I think that um, so obviously I see the carriage approaching, but I think that um, Frank might take this opportunity to do some tricks for the people. Okay, do some some little prestidigitations, you know? Yep, yep. So you're doing some little little. He's just magic. flicking some sparks and and clapping, and fire comes out and stuff, and people are ooing and ahhing. Yeah, the crowd are really into it. They are cheering. I mean, actually, why don't you roll? Okay. Roll for crowd reaction. <laughs> no, roll to see how your magic goes. All right, true. 19. Woof. Successful magic. Yeah, it would have been awkward if you killed a crowd member. Well, I could have been a, uh, I could have used that role for like a something useful, but okay. What's something useful? The crowd are impressed. Your reputation increases. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so the carriage that is approaching, the Royal Guard kind of make way for this carriage as it's approaching, and you recognize it as the Royal Carriage. You can't see who's in it because the curtains are drawn, but you see the carriage approaching. What is Frank thinking and feeling in this moment? Frank is probably thinking Gwen, Gwendolyn or, or John are coming down, um, and so he's thinking he might have a chance to say goodbye to his parents one last time. I think he's thinking as well that like he's just waiting for the thing to happen, the thing that's going to happen that he knows will always happen because he's a fate spinner and it will sort of save him from this strange direction that he's taken, which he, he knows he, he can't take. And so he's sort of just looking. Everything that's new into the field of vision is like maybe this is the thing. So he looks into the carriage and goes up to the carriage. Yeah, and you uh, approach this like uh, it's a really fine carriage. Like it, like damn, it's fine. No, but like <laughs> it's like really, it's very fancy. Uh, it's like plush, uh, dark red carriage. Yeah, and you approach it, and uh, I'm assuming you. Well, as you approach it, the curtain moves back, and. Inside, rather than seeing Gwendolyn or John, like your mum or your dad, you actually see your friend Arthur, uh, who was a soldier who rescued you, saved you from an assassination attempt and became a friend of yours. And Arthur kind of clambers down from the carriage and gives you a hug and says, oh, I'm sorry, I know you're probably expecting your mum or your dad, but they sent me to pass on their farewell. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it would have been nice to say goodbye to my my parents, but okay. Thank you again for everything, and thank you mostly for being a friend. Those are hard to come by, especially in positions of power. Oh, you're. He he looks slightly embarrassed, um, and he says, "You're welcome." I. I wish there was a way out of this. I'm, I mean, I'm a fate spinner. I'm sure something will happen, you know? I, my life has taken turns in strange directions, and, and I'm sure that we'll see each other again, Arthur. I'm holding on to that. And Arthur gives you a quick hug again and, um, like, hastily clambers back in the carriage, and the carriage uh, sort of ambles back up. As the carriage departs, you kind of make your way onto the ship, uh, and you, like, as you... Uh, going onto the ship why don't you tell me a bit about the ship what does the ship look like what does the royal ship look like we said that like it's a bankrupt mm -hmm. thing right but like are these things built purpose built for like were we ever gonna go to sea before felice was taken over do you think felice ever was a, a sea bound 
town? Well, I think that this ship belonged to King Francis. Like, I think this was like King Francis's okay personal like flagship. Right. So, starting to get a picture of why they were bankrupt. <laughs> It's because King Francis bought lots of expensive things. It's Sea Force One. <laughs> yes, it is Sea Force One. Okay. Um. All right. Well, in that case, it's a very, it's very large and gilded. It's it's made of very good hardwood, and then it's gilded on top of that. Yeah. Unnecessarily, because at sea, I can imagine that gold wouldn't really be the most practical metal to have. Um. And then you can see um, it's got like in the same way that you have most ships have like the large end at the back with a house sort of at the back. Yep. Um, and he steps into the car- into the doorway and there's a really large opening into a room and another door into a, a pair of quarters. There's one for him and then one for the captain, but that's really it. And then on the other side is the crew quarters and it's much, much smaller. Mm-hmm. Just as all royal things seem to be, yeah. So it's it's yep. quite. I mean, I'm I'm just trying to think of all the boats I've seen in shows and movies. So Pirates of the Caribbean, Black Sails. <laughs> I yep. can't think of any other, but like all of those cool cool boats. As you cross onto the ship, as you board the ship, <laughs> uh, you hear a series of sharp whistles, and seemingly in response to this purposeful-seeming series of whistles, the uh, plank is rolled back in and uh, movement is happening on deck as people are starting to, like, move lines about and hoist sails and whatever else it is you do to ready a ship to move away from the pier. <laughs> Jim, what are the actual specifics of... Uh, what, what's crewmate number five doing? Well, I know from Sea of Thieves that... <laughs> No, I, I know nothing. Yeah, so as you have boarded and things have started to kind of spring into movement, you you again hear another series of whistles and, and the, crowd, uh, the crew is going about tasks. And on the deck by the steering wheel, uh, you see a short figure, a short figure with a large flowing orange beard uh, and l- long flowing hair. And you recognize the figure of Moopit. Oh, cool. Who is steering the ship? Moopit, my old friend. Have you connected at all with Moopit in the year since? I think um I think that we set him free by proxy and I think that Frank was the character out of the two of them that was asking about him more often. Yeah. Um so I think that Frank was probably thinking about him at least once. So I think he has gone to him at one point or another just to check up on him because yeah. And I think that even Maybe Frank has um, organized to have him uh, given things. Let me make a counter offer. Okay. Here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking Rupert and Moopit, prior to the misadventures and Rupert dying, uh, were actually like seafarers. They were actually, they captained vessels. And so mm-hmm. I'm thinking that maybe Frank got Moopit a role as kind of an admiral of the very limited navy that was left to Felice. Yeah. Okay. That sounds right because we were asked to take care of him. So Yeah. And so I think that also means that you have learnt to communicate a bit with Moopit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I think Moopit as a dwarf who is nonverbal communicates primarily through like hand gestures, but also as you've been observing 
with his crew uh, communicates with a series of whistles. Um, what's the name of the continent we're on, by the way? What did we decide that was? Yeah, I think we said it was the capital, the continent of Felice. Like, I think it was the city of Felice, but I think it was the continent of Felice. As so well. he he speaks Felician sign language. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I really like because there's like Australian sign language, American sign language, like Auslan. He probably speaks some sort of Felician. Is it? I feel like we said it's better than Felician. It is better. I don't than know. That. Yes. <laughs> Phallic. Phallic uh, sign but, language. No, I actually. <laughs> Phallic sign language is a little. Uh, is actually illegal. It's only allowed in Pound Town. I don't. I don't know if it's like a formalized version. Oh, of okay. Sign you language. think we've just like, sort of worked out a way to? F- well, I think it's one that Mupit had developed with his brother that he kind of okay. shared with you. So yeah, I don't know. I just think that Frank. Being the compassionate sort, probably would have chosen to learn. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, so I, Mupit kind of welcomes you on board and shows you towards your quarters. Uh, and in your quarters, you find a chest with your items stored. And on the chest, you see a, a black and white sleeping form. Uh, and it is, of course, Rufio. Oh, because Rufio is always with us. Since Hatchet left, Rufio has been behaving rather oddly. Uh, since Hatchet left, Rufio has behaved more and more like a wild badger and has slept for longer and longer periods of time. You've also noticed that the uh, like black shadowy flame thing is happening pretty much all the time now. But when you come into your cabin, Rufio is asleep. So... Do you want to describe your cabin a little bit and then we're going to jump to Hatchet? Yeah, sure. I look around my cabin and I see uh, several large bookcases. There's a a bookcase entirely dedicated to um, travels of the world. There's another bookcase entirely dedicated to waffles. And another bookcase entirely dedicated to... There's one book that just says all of the food in the world, waffles, eggs, and syrup. An extensive list, and it's and it's a um, book on the wall. <laughs> and then um, on the other side of the room is a hammock, and then on that other side of the room is a bed. So I've described three sides of a room, and the other side is a writing desk, several diary type books, and a window yeah. out to the back. Awesome. As you make yourself comfortable uh, in your quarters, the C-Force 1 gets underway. Forgot we called it that. Uh, And you're still hearing like whistles and you're hearing murmurs of the crew, the creaking of the sails and feel the motion of the ocean. (laughs) 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 I think that's an official nautical term that I just used. Um, (laughs) Yeah, but you you get underway. Um, Before we move on from there, does the Navy have like religious connotations in the same way that other sailors do? That's a really great question. I think that the captains of the ships um, definitely do. Yeah, so Mupit's like ordained or something, yeah. whatever that looks like. Yeah, I think so. Because of that whole thing and with the pirates? Yeah. So how it works uh, is right. there is a god of the sea. We haven't actually given that god a name. We will when it is most relevant. Mm-hmm. But that god of the sea, uh, the sailors all worship and those that don't worship that god of the sea are considered uh, apostates or pirates right okay yeah. where do we find hatchet 
I think like as an audience, we get a bit of a kind of montage of Hatchet's time on the pirate ship mm. where when they came into the dock, they met with a, a captain who gave them kind of free, like sailed them for free to an island. But they were kind of abandoned there. We didn't really get a lot of flavor around why, but yeah, we, we see them kind of getting picked up by the pirate ship that they're now on. And I think you see like Hatchet kind of trying to just relax and get his head around things in the like the mess on the ship. And we see like a man come from behind and try and attack him. And I think like we see the scene of like the first time that ever happened where somebody like tried to take a swing at Hatchet. And I think it, I don't know if you've ever seen like Drunken Master with Jackie Chan in it, Mm -hmm. but he, there's this scene where like he moves around a bar and kind of uses the environment to kind of like play it. But I just imagine like Hatchet kind of almost accidentally winning this fight. Mm -hmm. And it kind of inspires a little bit of fear in the crew, but also like, there's a there's a bit of a sport to it, and I think that the um the captain and the the people that are like running the ship kind of just let it happen because it becomes like this like sporting thing, mm. like not that Hatchet's you know Hatchet's not into it in any by any means like yeah he every time every like I think you just see like cut after cut of Hatchet trying to eat his dinner and somebody like trying to take him out so they can take him back with the bounty mm. and I think you you just see like over the year hatchet getting more and more competent because he's just like every night having to like somebody is like i think it it becomes sporting in the fact that like one person will like be like it's my turn tonight like i'm going to be the one to to take a swing yeah and and there's like a sportsmanship to it because like people will like let it happen like and it's like a one-on-one has to be honorable i think that also in some of the initial scenes that we see taking place of that we see Benner trying to assist, mm-hmm. like trying to help you. Yeah. And from the pull over the P episode, I know that kind of what you were thinking was that Hatchet sort of pulls away from Benner. So I think that in those yeah. kind of times where uh, Benner is trying to help, Hatchet is like not happy about it and is kind of pushing him away. I think you see one scene where like Benner moves in to help and hatchet like sweeps the leg and sweeps him onto his ass and yeah and he like gives him a look and says like stay out like mm. gives him a really serious look yeah and i think we as these scenes go we start to see not only benner not helping but we start to see benner not sitting with hatchet yeah uh, and sitting like further away and then we have a scene which is i think maybe this is where we're picking up where it's actually benner's turn oh right like you think that it's actually turn to the point where he's like he's he's gonna go for it yeah well i think he's just like he's become part of the crew and so he's trying to show that he's part of the crew by taking part in the sport yeah and there's people goading him like you've never you've never had a go like you've never taken a swing yeah so i i think you're sitting there with your meal what what's your meal what are you eating in the ship mess i think just a lot like i think you see hatchet and you like because he was quite wiry and willowy i think like he's pretty like built now hmm. waiting for the fan art on this one aren't you no not he's not like huge but he's yeah. just like he's he's toned like he's working on a ship and he's he's actually being fed reasonably well and he's yeah. like he has no one but himself to look after really because and so i think that's kind of manifested in he's you know he, he's looking quite physically capable 
Yeah. And yeah, I think he's probably just got a bowl of whatever's on offer. I don't think you get a lot of choice on the pirate ship. I think mm. you get whatever's in the pot. Yeah. I yeah. think it's like a bowl of rice, a bowl of stew. That's it. Yeah. So I think as you are eating uh, your meal, you sort of see, because you've probably gotten quite good at like paying attention to your periphery in mm. these moments. And you sort of see on the periphery as Benner approaches. And I think Benner also has gotten, uh, like is still pretty wiry, but whereas Benner previously would have been described as gaunt, has filled out a bit. And yeah, you you see Benner approaching you and the next thing you see is a fist flying towards the side of your face. And I'm going to let you respond. I think it catches Hatchet because I don't think he's ready. They're having a lot to do with each other, but I don't think he has expected that um, Benner would take a run at him. Yeah. So he catches you across the cheek and you're kind of stunned by it. He's readying for a second one and you can see on his face that he like is angry, but is also you can see that anger is mixed with some other emotions. So, yeah, I guess he just um, actually let's um, I might use wild attack. Okay. Because I think Hatchet's like a little bit angry. So I roll a d20 and that kind of determines things. A seven. Okay. I deal double damage to the enemy, but they counterattacked me. All right. So do you want to describe you doing this damage? Like what's, how are you attacking? Thing he kicks his chair away and, um, and he's going to just swing his leg out and, and kind of kick Benner in the side. Yep. I think figure that leaves him a little vulnerable. Yep. I think, uh, you, you kick Benner in the side and Benner kind of crumples, but springs back with another quick punch, a quick jab to your jaw, and I will roll a dice for that. So I've rolled a one, which is obviously... I get a counterattack on that. Is when you roll a tough choice or worse on a basic attack against me, I parry the attack and take no damage, and I also get an attack back. Yep, okay, so... I parry his parry. <laughs> yep, yep, so you, as he like is throwing this jab at your chin, you kind of move it aside... Uh, and step back in with another punch. I think he ducks it and he just charges him. Like yes. Yeah. I'll roll for that. That's a nat 20. Oh, that's like a football tackle. <laughs> I actually have flow. So when I roll 20 on a basic attack, I briefly enter a state of focus. What does that do? That means after completing my initial attack, I may make one basic attack immediately on each enemy within reach, which would just be him. <laughs> <laughs> These attacks are automatically successful. Okay. So as you dodge and uh, you said charge into him. Yeah. That costs me an uh, adventure point, by the way. Yeah. Action point. As you do that, he's going to take two points of damage for that. Uh, And then you go into flow and you get a free attack. So having knocked him back with your charge, how are you hitting him? I feel like it would be like you've tackled him and he's on the ground and you're just starting to go down on his head. like. And you're angry. Yeah, I don't think it's that intense. I think it's um, it's a bit more brawly than that. It's a little less like pinning somebody on the ground and punching them in the face till they <laughs> pass out. I think he charges him until they, they hit a wall and then um, he's going to punch him in the gut, kind of knock the wind out of him. Yeah. Okay, so I think that uh, having been hit in these ways, Benno kind of drops to the ground uh, and is sort of laying on his stomach uh, and reaches up to your pants and tries to kind of like pull you down with him. 
and I'm going to roll for that. That's a success. I rolled an 11. So he reaches up and kind of grabs a hold of your pants uh, and yanks you down onto the ground to kind of grapple with you. What are you going to do? I am going to use overpower. Okay. And use my strength to overpower him and put him in a compromised position. In game terms, he can spend a turn getting out of it. Okay. I think that in the context of this fight, um, what we might say is that you like you pin Benna uh, and Benna kind of just like taps out. Yeah. And uh, as you're... Uh, getting back to your feet, uh, and Benner is kind of getting back to his feet, but is obviously quite injured. He kind of says under his breath in a way that only you catch it. I didn't want this. I think Hatchet says, I know, it's just part of being here. Uh, and Benner kind of limps away, and you are able to finish your meal in relative peace. But as you are just finishing the last of your meal, as you're dabbing up the last of what's in your bowl with a crusty roll... <laughs> Crusty is in, like, not great, not crusty is in, nice and crusty. Freshly breaked. Yeah. The captain staggers into the mess. And by staggers, I mean they have a peck, I guess. <laughs> so we're just keeping pirate stereotypes. Yeah. Some of them. With an eye patch. In some ways, we're going to expand the genre of pirates. <laughs> I feel like that already happened this year with uh, um, Our Flag Means Death. Oh, great show. Okay, so uh, the captain, what's the captain like, John? I think he's like he's pretty well spirited, but like like I I like the idea that pirates in this world aren't necessarily criminals, like they're just people who have rejected the idea that you need like there needs to be some sort of, you know, ceremony and tradition around it. Mm-hmm. And maybe that means they take some less savory jobs, but I just think I, like, I don't think that there's a bunch of nasty people working here. I think it's just like, it's decent work. Yeah. It's honest work. Like, I do you, have you seen Stardust? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought you might use Robert De Niro in Stardust. A little bit like that, but less like, but not, not quite like to that level. But I just think he's like in good spirits and like, but he's still well respected. Like, yeah. Yep. Okay. So, uh, um, the captain's name? This guy actually is an apostate. Like he is somebody who has like, who was in that system, but has like I turned see, away you're from. You're trying it. to think of like a name of a person who might be ordained. So, like a very... yeah, something that evokes like. Actually, we have a bunch of names to use, so that's actually way easier. Captain Cad. Cool. That's it. I I kind of like that though. No, I'm happy with Captain Cad. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. So we're naming the captain after a listener. Okay. So yeah, Captain Cad kind of ambles let's say into the room and says up here land lovers we've got a job this feels offensive but i'm not sure who to (laughs) (laughs) we've got a job so let's get on it man the sails up the anchor (laughs) nautical terms nautical terms yes (laughs) that's his catchphrase He (laughs) he just yells nautical terms Yeah, and everyone kind of, like, starts bustling and moving. What is your role on the ship? Ooh, way to flip the page, flip the tables on him. Turn the, turn the tables? Uh, way to turn the sails. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice. So we have sails. Um, I think um, Hatchet's on the deck, and I think he's, like, 
kind of directing a little bit. Like I think he's worked his way up and he is in charge of making sure the sales are in the right direction. So he's kind of got a small sub crew of people that pulling the sails down and moving them um, to catch the wind. What's the term for someone who does that on a ship, John? Just about to give you that, actually. Boatswain? Yeah, the boatswain is basically, yeah, you're correct, I think. But then also you you could be, yeah, I don't know, I'm not going to spend time. Yeah, a boat a boatswain is the most senior rate at the deck department. Cool. Yeah. So either, uh, that sounds better than deck boss. Yeah, so he's a boat. He's a boatswain. Yep. Okay. So I kind of like deck boss. As the boatswain, you have a bit more authority. And I think that uh, the captain kind of uh, ambles towards you and sort of good naturedly claps you on the shoulder uh, and gestures towards the limping off figure of Benner and says, Another one. You could call them off, you know. Ah, where'd be the fun in that? Well, I wouldn't have to do my job after getting kicked in the side. It's good for you. Strengthens you. <laughs> you what? <laughs> if you say so. Uh, and he says, we're going to come out of this job well off. We're being paid by the king of Caldone. I feel like you've said that the last six jobs, but you, well, I'll just get up on deck and do my part. The well off part or the king of Caldone? Because I, I definitely <laughs> well haven't said part. that before. And he says, yeah, get to it. Uh, and slaps you on the back as you head off to your job. Uh, and we are going to jump a few days ahead. Actually, I think we're going to pick up a week ahead. We didn't actually name the ship that you're on, John. Ah, right. Ship. Can we name the ship after a listener? Yeah, we definitely can. The ship is called the Amnesiac Kid. <laughs> that sounds horrible. <laughs> can we just call it the Amnesiac? Yep. Yeah, the amnesiac makes a lot more sense. The ship's called the amnesiac. Okay, so we're going to jump a week ahead, but to determine how that week goes, I'm going to need you both to roll a dice, and I'm going to explain how we're doing some ship stuff here. Okay. Uh, We've obviously been playing some, like, Forged in the Dark type games, uh, and I really like the way they use clocks to represent things. So what I have here uh, is kind of, I'm going to do a clock for each ship and as stuff happens to the ship it's going to affect those clocks that will be happening because uh, i'm going to have three clocks for each ship and one represents your crew one represents the like integrity of the ship and one represents the supplies of the ship uh each are going to be three uh segment clocks and obviously if those segments all get filled like, if the crew segment gets filled, the crew's all dead. Um, or, like, their morale's completely gone or uh, whatever it will be, but it will be some sort of negative consequence. And with the integrity of the ship, obviously, if that's all filled, the ship's gone, uh, the supplies run out if the segments are all marked. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I need you both to roll a dice for the progress of your ships. And you're each rolling for how your ships have progressed. Ah, oh, cool. I rolled a 16. Yep, I rolled a 17. Mm. Ooh. We're always going to one-up me, John. <laughs> the dice do anyway. So, it has been a week uh, since the Seaforce 1 set out to sea, and it has been a week since the Amnesiac took on a job. In that week, an attack has happened on the Royal Palace at Felice, but Hatchet and Frank don't know anything about that. You are both 
underway. I imagine that Prince Frank has probably not been given a lot to do. So how has Prince Frank been spending his time? I think he's um, he's had a lot of times where he's had nothing to do. So he's taken up um, uh, songwriting and mm-hmm. poem writing again, because yep. obviously um, was pretty into that throughout the uh, battle. But I think instead of slam poetry like he was doing before, it's more of a, you know, he's trying to simulate the style that he saw um, Hatchet doing. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to go more esoteric, but Frank has a more romantic view of the world. So I think it's it tends to be more romantic. Mm. Is that kind of out of his... Because we haven't really touched on how Frank is feeling about being apart from Hatchet because this would be the first time you've been apart from Hatchet. Yeah, I think he would have already done that throughout his time. Yeah. Like his year, he would have mm. been doing that. Yes. Yeah. He also has but, a review. Like, I think that's... Yeah. So I think but what I was suggesting was maybe that the, the form of poetry that Frank is engaging in, maybe on some level it's out of missing Hatchet as well. Mm-hmm. Do, do you want me to uh, to give you one of his poems? Yes, sure. Sure. Am I a passenger? Am I stock to be sent away? I've traveled through as a messenger. Or have I just been dropped into the ocean over the abyss? This sea of faces offers nothing new. Only vastness and multitude. Do you see truth? Have I overcame something? Do I overthink myself? Am I who I'm meant to be? Only now that I'm here. Beautiful. Did you write that? Yeah, it was just in my phone from a long, long time ago. Oh, that's fun. I like it. Well done. Uh, I thought you were just going to improv us something. So That'd have been cool too. but It's a delightful surprise. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Yeah, so that's kind of what uh, Frank's been engaging in. But the ship has been going really well under the care of Admiral Mupert. Been making good time towards Cowdone. And you have been making your way through kind of the North Islands that previously Hatchet was abandoned in headed towards Caldone, and you're a couple days sail away from Caldone. Meanwhile, on Hatchet's ship, you've also been making really good time. Under Captain Cad, things have been going smoothly. You've been doing your deck boss job. Boatswain. Boatswain. Boatswain job. Uh, Yeah, things have been going really well. You both rolled successfully, so that's great. And as you are on the deck doing your job, you see... Well, no, I think you hear a shout from the crow's nest. You hear a shout of, sails ahead! And you hear the captain shout, hoist the flag. Uh, what does the flag look like of your apostate ship? I guess what does the, um, the official flag look like? Yeah, I, I guess the official flag um, is probably that that same symbol that they have tattooed. I think it's that anchor with the sea serpent kind of wound around the anchor. Yeah, then I think it's that. Like, I think it's that, but... Upside down. Upside down or, like, somebody's thrown some, like, paint over it or something. Or, or maybe it's, like, um, there's a hole, like, burnt in the middle of it. Like, they've burnt the flag and they, they raise it, like, half burnt. That's cool. They've set it on fire in the middle and then they've... They've stopped it from burning all the way. You guys hoist the flag and your ship uh, is heading towards this other ship. Uh, it 
I think takes probably several hours as you approach. And on Frank's ship, there's also been a yell of sails, uh, except that yell sounded like, Ooh, the sails. It's a different person in the process, you know? <laughs> as opposed to what from the other? The other one was more like, Ooh, sails. Oh, yeah, they yeah, sound so different. Like, Ooh, the sails, or Ooh, the sails. Yeah, okay. They're actually related. It's a weird coincidence, but... Also, they have the same name, but with a different first letter. Yeah. I have a pitch for here. Okay. um, Just in terms of, like, you are saying, like, sails, I wonder if, like, the Seaforce One has, like, mages that propel it along rather than sails. Like, so they actually... Maybe they have sails, like, as a point of redundancy, but, like, you, you often see boats... Um, moving around without them and that's how you know like a fancy boat well from a distance because you're like oh they're using magic to propel themselves yep that makes sense and yeah i i think i like that a lot on sea force one the uh, captain moopit does a series of whistles that you've not heard before quite unlike anything else and combat whistles you see people start to like ready weapons uh, you see, like, people go to a weapons locker and start to uh, hand out, like, cudgels and axes and swords and spears and bows and arrows. Uh, and <laughs> wow, that's an extensive collection of weapons. I know more weapons than I know food, apparently. Yeah, or nautical terms. <laughs> yeah, so people kind of start getting weapons and people are lining the deck, like, lining along the sides of the boat. I think Frank hears a bit of this and... and- like sort of sits to attention, noticing that it's a different whistle and, and sort of gets his things, his staff and um, brings Rufio to the I think deck. as you are getting your gear from the cabin, as you're getting your staff and you're kind of preparing yourself, you see that the behavior of Rufio has shifted where before he was starting to act more and more like a wild badger and was pretty unpredictable. Still not really attacking you, but pretty unpredictable with other people. You see that he seems more attentive in a way that he wasn't before. And there's still a lot of the black shadow flames, but they've kind of died down a little bit. Like they're maybe only a couple inches high as opposed to the foot that they were before. And Rufio is kind of like staring at you intently and then sort of staring out the window as if trying to communicate something to you. Okay. I um I let him onto my staff. I extend my staff forwards for him to walk onto it. I mean, he's a badger. Isn't he too big for that? I can... You can go pocket size. Yeah, I can make him pocket size and do that. Okay, so he's pocket size badger at the moment. Yeah, he'll be a, my, he'll be a mouse size badger and he walks up my staff. Yeah. Okay, so the, the mouse-sized badger walks up your staff and uh, clambers onto your shoulder uh, and you make your way out onto deck. Back on the amnesiac, uh, you also hear the captain calling for readying weapons. But I'm assuming we wouldn't have cannons because we don't have gunpowder. Yeah, I don't think it makes sense. I- Let's go with trebuchets. I like that. Yeah. Or some sort of catapults. Trebuchets on the thing. On the- well, I think that previously to cannons probably would have been some form of like it would have been like bows and arrows but maybe even like a ballista ballista type thing on a really well outfitted ship i'm sure yeah it's true or harpoon type things yeah that would make more sense for a a boat i suppose yeah I, i think that the amnesiac is kind of 
fitted out for a variety of jobs. Like you've been doing a lot of not piratey jobs, like transporting goods and stuff, but I think also it is fitted out ready for battle. So I think you have several harpoon guns. Uh, And yeah, I think that an awareness of, uh, I think maybe it's, you don't even know that it's Rufio. Like I think there's just this awareness that starts to blossom for you. Uh, And it's like this, yeah, it's just like this itch in your brain, like this new bit of your brain that is old and familiar, but you haven't accessed for a while, kind of starts to bloom. What are you doing as this ship prepares and gets closer and closer? Are we planning on engaging it? Like, is that the directive? Yeah, that seems to be the directive. The captain is telling people to prepare to attack. I think I'm going up to the captain and going... Are you quite insane? Are you looking at that ship? Yar. (laughs) (laughs) And it's be one we will take. That ship's moving without any sails. It's clearly some sort of royal vessel. I think we're picking a fight we can't win. We're picking a fight we've been well paid to win. This is the job. This is the job. Take out that ship. So be it. Kill all aboard. Aye, aye. Good lad. Uh, he again claps you on the shoulder. He is a very touchy captain. <laughs> <laughs> and Hatchet goes back to, you know, I think I think they were kind of moving towards it, but I think he needed to say his piece. And he's back to. I think we see um, Spur, his bird as well, is very much a part of the. Because um, th- that bird can talk, right? We decided that bird. We did, but we didn't ever. I think I asked the question and we never answered it. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> like, we never discussed, like, does that mean that. The bird. I think we decided it was really articulate. We did, but like, is it articulate as in like it, it speaks words that are yeah. articulate, or is it actually thinking conversationally? I think it's at least been trained to be useful for this sort of thing. Like, it mm. can communicate which way the wind's going, and yeah. you can see the currents. Like, it flies up above, and it's like there's a current over there, and yeah, okay, yeah. I, I think Spur is uh, kind of in the air, and then is kind of. Um, diving back down and landing near the captain. And maybe there's even been a special stand sort of set up near the steering wheel for Spur uh, to communicate. Somewhat of a bird's nest instead of a crow's nest. <laughs> no, I think Spur is like communicating with Hatchet particularly as well. Okay. Like, which is maybe one of the reasons why Hatchet kind of worked his way up. Is yeah. he, he was like able to strategize and Spur has kind of helped him, spurred him on. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So the two ships headed uh, towards each other. So on the amnesiac, Captain Chad. Cad. Captain Cad calls out, Well, the job is to take that ship and burn it to the ground, <coughs> killing everyone on it. The sea ground, lad. <laughs> <laughs> the random stranger who, it's an expression, it still works. Uh, and so, yeah, he's kind of like gestured towards the ship as you get uh, kind of almost within bowshot distance. And as Hatchet looks out over the sea on another ship, Frank stands and looks out over the sea and you lock eyes as arrows start to fly. So this has been Roll for Friendship, a podcast about friendship and sometimes dragons. Thanks for joining us. We're back. Uh, We're back playing Quest, which is very exciting. It's been a minute. We've enjoyed our detour, but it's fun to be back. Yeah, we got some fun new stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for this season. Uh, 
we have a bunch of threads left from the last season that we are definitely going to be exploring uh, and I'm really looking forward to it. We just wanted to thank the, we've had a lot of listeners reaching out to us, especially over the last uh, couple months uh, and just thanking us for the show and uh, letting us know what it's meant to them. And that's been amazing and a shock because we're just here making this dumb thing where we talk about cocktails for five minutes. I, I think it's been really special from me because Jim obviously curates the messages coming back to us, but even like everything that we've read has been so nice. I appreciate I appreciate anyone who takes the time to uh, to give us some feedback. It's very beautiful. Yeah. So thank we've, you. We really appreciate it. So we also named a couple characters after listeners. So uh, thank you to uh, – I, I think it's probably – pronounce cad but it's k-h-a-d uh, so it could also be chad or it could be cad oh, maybe also amnesiac kid aka sean uh they did say that we could use the name sean instead if that was easier but well <laughs> that's just the nickname for the ship <laughs> <laughs> no it's the name for the ship it's a very Amnesiac, also known as Sean. Amnesiac's the nickname. Sean oh is the yeah, yeah. <laughs> People keep forgetting the name Sean, so they have to just call it Amnesiac. Yeah, and we have a couple other listeners that we will be using their names uh, in upcoming episodes. Yeah, we just are trying to, if people reach out to us, we just want to be like thanking them by uh, incorporating them as a character that will probably die. Sorry, Zero, wherever you are. <laughs> Or a ship um, that'll probably sink. <laughs> it's true. All right. Well, yeah, thank you for joining us. We'll be back uh, in two weeks' time with more Quest for Friendship. Until then, stay questy. Stay questy.